If you have a Bible, you can turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Verses 5 through 7. We talked about this first part last week. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Like I said last week, we walked through that first phrase, the Lord is near, because having an awareness of, of understanding the proximity of God has a lot to do with how we respond to anxiety. Um, to, to know that God is not far away, to know that God is, isn't, you know, uh, you know, some distant being that could care less about his people, to know that God is attentive and he is kind and gracious uh, gives us far more confidence as well as intimacy to really lay our heart bare and let God do his work. And so uh, I want to kind of unwrap a little bit more of this text and then we're going to combine this kind of with next week we're going to we're going to talk about the way our thought processes work and and how we have some some choices in what we focus on because our thought life sometimes is our worst enemy and so we'll we'll kind of do part a this week and part b uh next week um the the way to being anxious about nothing uh seems like an impossibility for most people um my good friend Chris Seedman sums up this way. He says, the way to not be anxious about anything is to be prayerful in everything. The way to not be anxious about anything is to be prayerful in everything. Um, there are some powerful phrases in that verses 5 through 7 uh, that will kind of guide us today as to what that really means. Uh, he, he says, Paul says, in, in every situation... Uh, the passage speaks to being prayerful in every situation, sending our request to God. Are we going in and out? A little bit. A little bit? Let's see. If we had some lights, I could see. Oh, we, we have battery. We have battery. We just have a, we just have a failure. Yeah. Just cut them all down. Um, so... This idea of, of there's not a situation that we can't or shouldn't bring to God or before God. It, you know, and I think we would all agree, though, sometimes it's, it's harder to talk about the biggest challenges of our lives um, that are overwhelming us. And other people would say, no, no, it's, it's harder to talk about the details. It's, it's harder to talk about the little things that weigh me down uh, because... I think people look at me like I'm crazy that I'm letting such insignificant things wear my mind out. Uh, we tend to allow a couple of different things to stop us from talking to God or bringing things before God. And one, I think, is a situation of how, how we would say it, smallness. In other words, we find ourselves thinking that what we're anxious about is really too trite, too petty in the grand scheme of things, and why are you even bothering worrying about that stuff? It's easy to tell somebody that, but if their mind is locked on that, what you may see as really small, they see as gargantuan. Um, some people think, well, God's got bigger problems to deal with than you worrying about that little thing. Um, some of you will remember years ago the movie Bruce Almighty starring Jim Carrey. <coughs> And he was pretty frustrated with how God was running the world and the way God did things, and he decided that he could do a better job. And so Morgan Freeman, playing God in the movie, 
uh, has a little conversation with him, and, and he says, hey, I'm, I'm glad that you took the job to be God. And uh, I'm going to let you get a little experience of what that's like. And, you know, Bruce is uh, transformed back into his bedroom, and he can't sleep because he's hearing all these voices. It's all the prayers around the world, and it literally is driving him crazy. And he just thinks, man, how am I going to handle this? And so he thinks, well, if I could just get all the prayers categorized, and I could, you know, basically have file cabinets with all the prayers in, that would help. And then all of a sudden, his bedroom is filled with file cabinets. So he realizes, okay, that's not a good, that, that's not a good solution. And he says, maybe if we had post-it notes. And then it's like somebody spray paints post-it notes all over the entire bedroom and on him and everywhere. And he goes, okay, that's not going to work. And then he has this brilliant idea, if, if he could just reduce it down to, to email. And then he could respond. And the problem is, is though about every minute, more than three million emails were downloading into the computer. Um, and I think sometimes we look at prayer and we think about the situations people face and we think, well, either, number one, God's too busy dealing with real problems or God can't handle all the prayers that are coming out and we kind of pull God down to our level and we kind of, you know, see him as like a grumpy old grandpa that falls asleep on the couch. And, you know, so all these views that we have of God affect how we, how we approach God. And yet, Scripture says that, that there's nothing that is too small nor too big. And here's the reality of that, is that if it matters to us, it matters to God. If it matters to us, it matters to God. And if you're a parent, particularly with a small child, you understand this. And small could mean 16 or 18, too. Um, but there are things that, or 30, I think my 30-year-old gives me more gray hair than any of them. Um, there are things that matter greatly to your child that don't really matter much in some regards in the grand scheme of things, but as a parent, because they matter to your child and your child is so preoccupied with them, they matter to you. And by the way, if something matters too much to us, that matters to God too because of how it's affecting us, of how it is altering the way we are intended to live our life. And so God wants to be helpful in dealing with that or help us to grow beyond. Now remember, it's Jesus himself who spoke about God numbering the very hairs of our heads and how not even the death of a sparrow escapes God's notice. And if God is attentive to the, to the flowers of the field, he's attentive to the sparrows and he's obviously attentive to the people that he created and he redeemed. Uh, so the way forward isn't saying how dumb it is for me or for you to be anxious about things. Um, it's, not, it's not about beating ourselves up over being consumed with things. The way forward is to say, okay, Lord, here it is. This is what I desire. This is what I'm struggling with. And what I hope or what I don't know, I know you're going to do something. I'm not really sure what it is, but I'm just going to just lay it out there. This is what I really want to see happen. And so, but we kind of get up in the, well, is this even worth God's time and attention? Well, yeah, it is. But there's also a sense of selfishness that kind of pours into us when we think about what we pray for. Um, when you say, when you tell somebody, well, I told God what I wanted. I want God to do this, I want God to do that, and I want him to handle it this way. Some people will look at you and go, hey, you don't have any right to tell God how to do that. You know, you ought to be praying, Lord, your will, your will, your will. 
Okay, well, that's probably true in a lot of regards, but let's think about this. Even Jesus himself in the garden said, Lord, Lord, this is what I want. If it's possible, let this cup pass for me. Now, you think, think through that for a minute. Here's the Son of God who came on a rescue mission, and yet in the midst of the garden, his humanity is, Lord, it would be really great if we could just let this one kind of... Now, he gets to that, but nevertheless... Whatever you choose, I know is right, and I know is good, I know is perfect. And so you think, that's a little odd. But think of it this way. When something has us so consumed, and it's so pervasive and, and so crushing in our mind, no matter how big or small it is, the thing to do is to download it off of your chest and onto God's. In learning to pray about everything we're anxious about, we're not talking about coming to God as the, my give me machine, but we are coming and saying, God, you know what? This is where my heart is. This is what I long for, but I'm laying it at your feet and I know whatever you do is going to be the right thing. And sometimes just speaking it out, just, just offloading. <sighs> okay, he's got it. I'm going to trust that. Now, he says that we do that by prayer and petition. And two very different words, prayer and petition. The word prayer is an inclusive word that means worship, adoration, and confession, as, as well as other things. So it's not just you know, this mindless prayer. It's not just speaking a bunch of words, but it's acknowledgement of who he is. It's adoring on who God is. It is confessing the things that we need to confess to clear our heart and mind and think, okay, God, I'm so confused by all this. As we come to God in our anxiety, it's important to remember just who this is we're talking to. Remember, he's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He's the redeemer. He's the, he's the firstborn. He is our hope. He's not our servant. He's not our genie in a bottle. But he's the one who cares. He sees more than we see, and he knows things that we don't know about whatever situation we're facing and whatever people the situation may involve. And it's the context of being mindful of this that we make our petition. We pray specifically. We acknowledge what we desire and what we hope for in our given situation, which is hard for us. Some people feel guilty when they pray specifically. But I think one of the greatest examples in Scripture is found in Genesis 24. When Abraham sends one of his servants to another land to find a wife for his son. Now that's not the way we do it today. Hey, all right, listen. My boy's getting married. I want you to go and travel, and I want you to pick out his wife. Anybody in it for that? I only had one hand go up in the first service. She was already married, but I think she was wanting a, go, a, a, a redo. I'm not sure. So the servant has this huge job that he's been given, knowing that if he fails or if he doesn't do it well, then what the consequence is going to be. So what does he do? Well, this, Genesis 24 says this. Then he, the servant, prayed, Lord God of my master Abraham, make me successful today. And show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside the spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar that I may have a drink. And she says, drink and I'll water your camels too. 
Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Because it's obviously sexy when a woman wants to water your camels. I mean, that is like the greatest criteria ever of how to pick a wife. Now, I mean, that is a specific prayer. And you know what? As crazy as that sounds, that's exactly the way it happens. Servant wound up on his face giving thanks to God before that day was over. Specific prayer can be a real opportunity for us to see God at work, particularly when we see things unfold that we have been praying for. Um, I, like you, have experience where I have prayed specific prayers and specifically nothing happened the way I thought it should happen. But praying specifically is actually the way that I get what I'm preoccupied off my chest and I release it to God. And in doing this, I'm opening the door for however he chooses to best respond. I'm talking practically about how we come to God because he's our shelter and he is our refuge and we cast our anxiety upon him. Um, We don't let the sense of the situation's smallness, our own selfishness, or its bigness keep us from giving it over to him. The way to our freedom is through acknowledging it before him and turning it over to him by praying specifically. And what helps it do this is this third phrase in this text. He says, with thanksgiving. Well, why thanksgiving? Because if I'm going to give thanks it's going to cause me to slow down and review what God has done in the past in my life. The word think and the word thank come from the same root word. So being thankful also requires us to be thoughtful. Being thankful requires us to be thoughtful. One of the most powerful things we can do when we're dealing with anxiety is to slow down and review the faithfulness of God in our lives in the past. By the way, it's a big reason why there's a lot of wisdom in keeping something simple like a a journal or a notes page on your digital device or somewhere where you can record what you're thankful for and how God responded to previous situations in your life. My wife Jennifer has done a prayer journal for decades. And whenever she's in a tough situation or we're in a tough situation, she will go back and she'll read a season where she poured her heart out for God and prayed specifically of what she longed for. And then she will go back and look where she put the date and the way God answered that prayer specifically. Sometimes it is absolutely word for word. Sometimes it's not even anything she had a notion of on the page, but yet God answered it the right way and to submit to his will. And and sometimes it's just being able to go back and look and see the faithfulness of God. Uh, You all are on some type of social media, and there are all these platforms that now will offer you memories from seasons before. And some of them are funny, and some of them are embarrassing, and some of them are incredibly humbling. Uh, This past August was six years Uh, from the time I was run over six years ago on my motorcycle on Highway 49 and left for dead and spent seven days in neurotrauma. I don't remember the first three days, um, but uh, that memory came up and uh, I I didn't ask Jennifer what she thought. I didn't, you know, because, you know, I I was totally unaware. 
of what was going on, but I've, I've been around when people ask her, you know, what that day was like. Uh, you know, I, I leave for work. She gets a phone call from CHP telling her to get to Sutter Roseville Hospital. I may not make it. Of course, she doesn't even know where Sutter Roseville Hospital is. And even if she did, she probably wouldn't have been able to find it because she's directionally challenged. <laughs> her own admission. Um, but, you know, you, you, you don't think about those things until you look back and you, you see God's provision. Um, before she got that phone call, uh, our, our youth intern rode by the wreck, went to the office, which is where I was on my way to that morning uh, for staff meeting, and said, hey, there was a bad wreck on 49. It's a motorcycle. And they put two and two together and realized it was probably me. Uh, Mike Bivens headed from the office out to my house where we were renting out in Grass Valley. And uh, Jennifer Vincent went with him and they were able to get there shortly after that phone call came in and they were able to, Mike took all the kids, which if you know my kids, that was a monumental task in and of itself. And then with a new baby as well, and Jennifer got her to the hospital and, and stayed with her. And you look back and you, you see all these faithful little moments of God and sometimes in our life, we just need to be able to go back when we're in a tough situation now and say, okay, God, this is what I prayed before and this is how you responded. And I didn't understand, I didn't agree, and I was frustrated and I was aggravated. But now, all these years later, I go, oh my gosh, God, look what you did, look what you did, look what you did, look what you did. And that's hard to do. Um, when we respond in that way to what's making us anxious, we see what's been promised. And what's been promised is God will be ever-present. It doesn't say that he will give us our three wishes, but it says that he will be ever-present. And then after it says that we make our petitions and prayers with thanksgiving, it says that the peace of God, verse Philippians 4, 7, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm drawn to the words the peace of God. It's not peace from God. It's the peace of God. It's his peace that he shares with us. I don't know about you, but that's a pretty awesome thought. I mean, that peace is tangible, that peace is real, and it's of substance. It, it can hold us, it can guide us, it can lead us, it can light a path for us. John 16, Jesus said the peace he gives is different than the peace the world gives. The peace that the world gives is a greeting. It's a salutation. It's a wish. But that's, only, that's the only thing the world can give us. The peace that, that God gives is tangible, real, and of substance. Have you ever, or somebody you know, experienced a sense of peace in the midst of something so difficult, so anxiety-inducing, and they were like, I don't even know where the peace came from. I mean, it just, like, it just came over me, and I, I knew I was okay. I knew that whatever happened... I'm good. You see, that's that peace beyond understanding. That means that the peace that he offers isn't tied to you and I understanding everything about what's going on or the way things happen or why they happen. And that's important. Because sometimes we think, oh, if I could just understand more of why things happen the way they did, then I'll have peace. 
And that's what we like to do with things. We like to take everything and diagram it like a sentence in English class. We want to break it down into all its pop, the subject and the verb and the predicate and the nominative and the adverb and the adjectives. And we want, and that way it helps us, you know, we can break it down and process it and reduce it down to its smallest factor. But that's not really the way life works. Life doesn't get broken down like a grammatical sentence. Life comes fast and hard and furious, and usually we don't understand why or what or even how. And that peace that can be experienced is the peace that we can't really explain. It's not dependent upon every question being answered, but it can be experienced in the midst of unanswered questions. This peace isn't dependent upon whether or not we receive what we prayed for. Though that's what we long for, it doesn't always happen that way. We're not promised that when we're prayerful that everything is going to come up a bed of roses. But he says that we can do so with thanksgiving knowing that God is faithful. And what's promised is the peace of God. And that's good for a couple reasons. One is, is peace is what sustains us while we're waiting to see what happens with the thing we've been praying about. And we all need peace, particularly in those tumultuous moments. Second, the peace is what guards our hearts and minds when things don't happen as we desire. Because it's easy to turn to the abandonment card, or the where are you God, or the why did you forget me card, or are you listening to me? And speaking of guarding our hearts and minds, the words there in the text that Paul wrote are associated with the image of soldiers standing guard. Now, what's so ironic about that is that Paul is writing the book of Philippians from a Roman jail. He's chained and under guard of soldiers. And yet he's conscious of his heart being militantly guarded by something or someone else. And that peace, and it's peace that has teeth. And the verse tells us a little bit, a little bit more. It says that our hearts need to be guarded by peace or if our hearts need to be guarded by peace, then our hearts are going to occasionally be assaulted with anxiety. So we shouldn't be surprised when anxiety comes, though we are. Maybe that's why it's good to start the day seeking the peace that will guard our heart by lifting up our preoccupations with thanksgiving. Have you ever noticed some mornings you can head to work and you don't have a care in the world, a thought in the world, and everything's great, and you get to work, it's all great, and then some days you get in the car and you're just flooded your mind just becomes a trap of things that are just bigger than you can handle. Lieutenant Colonel Gary Morse was a doctor in the Army Reserves who was serving in Iraq. He was supposed to travel by convoy to a military hospital in Baghdad to accompany a prisoner with a severe abdominal infection as no small task. American convoys often come under attack while on the road. Many American lives have been lost due to roadside bombs and landmines. As he anxiously sat in the back of a Humvee with a very sick POW, he found himself wondering, why are we doing this for someone we consider our enemy? I could see risking my life in the lives of American soldiers for another American, but risking all this for an enemy POW? The more he thought about it, and the further they drove down the road, the more anxious he got. In addition to the anxiety, he was also feeling lonely and homesick. 
So there he was in an armored vehicle wearing about 50 pounds of body armor. Next to him was the gunner, his head sticking through the roof of the Humvee, constantly spinning one way and then the other, aiming his machine gun at anything that moved, looking for snipers, motioning for cars to stop or to move out of the way, and screaming at drivers who did not understand. That's when Lieutenant the Lieutenant Colonel decided to start listening to some worship music on his mobile device. His son-in-law had loaded his player with songs before he left home. He hit shuffle, and the first song that came up was by the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. These words came through his earbuds. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel his mighty power and his grace. I can hear the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Speeding towards Baghdad, crammed in the back of a Humvee, Gary Moore says he began to awaken to the presence of God like never before. He describes it as being enveloped by the presence of God. He began to weep and to start pouring his heart out to God about everything that was weighing on him. A peace settled in, the likes of which he says he had never experienced in his life. But more than that, he began to feel God's love for the people of Iraq, even the POW and the Humvee he was looking after. The road had changed. The danger hadn't changed. But something had changed within Morsh. They got to the hospital safely and in one piece, and by the time they got there, Gary was already at peace for another reason. He had discovered peace that had teeth in it. And if God's peace can make a difference like that for a man in a life and death situation, then it can make a difference for you and me. The road to peace, the road to peace runs through prayer. Now, it may run through medicine for anxiety and depression. It may th run through counseling and therapy. It may run through a lot of different things. But the road to peace, most definitely, runs through prayer. There are, there are promises that we want to claim and we want to live under. But there are also premises to many of the promises in Scripture. What I mean is that there are times when God calls us to do something as a way of putting ourselves in position to experience the promise. The premise is for us to pray about everything with thanksgiving. The promise is that we are to... If we do, the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say it guarantees the delivery of exactly what we want, when we want, and how we want it. It just says that God will be faithful. We must walk out the premise in order to experience the promise. And as we walk out prayer, walk in peace. Let me close this way. Let me just begin by reminding you what we talked about last week. The Lord is near. And then he says, do not be anxious about anything but in every situation. Now just take a moment. What situation is causing you anxiety these days? 
What's preoccupying your mind? What is unsettling you on a regular basis? Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer. How about just taking a moment and maybe just spend some time in the quietness of your brain, in your heart, and confess who it is that you're coming to. He's the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. He's a creator. He's a sovereign over all the earth. He's the redeemer. He's the firstborn of the living and the firstborn of dead. He is the one who is, who was, and will be forever. He knows more than we do. And this is what causes us to come before him humbly, is that he's the great I am, and we are reminded we're the great I am not not just by prayer, but also in petition as we present our request to God. Now, maybe for you, it's time to pray specifically. Maybe in the quietness of your heart, why don't you just close your eyes and just say, God, you know what I'm going through. This is what I would love. This is what I long for. This is what I hope for. And just release that to him. Just release that to him. Don't hold on to it. Just release it to him and trust that he's going to work in what's right. Because up to this point, you haven't been able to change it and you haven't been able to conquer it and you haven't been able to subdue it and make it do what you want it to do anyway, so you might as well give it to somebody that can. And then he says those last two words with thanksgiving. Maybe you need to go through the memory bank and think about how God has taken care of you in your life up to this point. the people that he's used, the doors he's opened, the, time he's come, the times he's come to your rescue. I mean, is there something to be thankful for in that situation that you've been thinking about? Is there, is there something in that, that thing that's going on with you that you know you ought to find some gratitude because it's making you more into who he wants you to be? He's burning off some of the rough edges. He's bringing humility to your heart. He's bringing a grace to your life where you know that you have to surrender and you can't be in control. Maybe just thank him and say, God, you, you, you're growing me. You're maturing me. I don't know what that, that looks like for you. But we're clutchers. We like to clutch and hold on to everything we can clutch and hold on to. And there's something about constantly trying to grab everything that is breaking us and breaking us and breaking us. So maybe just release it. I want to pray over us and then I want to invite you to, we'll close this time and some worship because this is what I know fear fear will begin to settle on us and when we're fearful our anxiety increases and we begin to do irrational things and think irrational thoughts but shame also comes because of maybe a situation, maybe a sin, maybe a struggle, maybe some adversity, and you, you're terrified that somebody's going to know or you, it's going to cost you more than you want to pay. And, and you again, and listen, fear can have a, a noble quality. Fear can, can keep us alive. We talked about the amygdala last week, the part of our body that, that alerts us and goes into hyperactivity to protect us. But this idea of being so anxious every moment 
begins to consume us and the enemy begins to speak shame and fear and guilt into our life and it begins to erode our confidence, not our confidence in ourselves, our confidence in God. And so I just want to invite you, just take a moment, just close your eyes, just, just come before the Lord and then let's just worship. We'll close out this morning. Let's pray. Father, our hope is in you. Our trust is in you. Lord, sometimes we want to trust ourselves. We want to fix things. We want to do things that we can't do. And so, Lord, may we, may we just release, Lord God, may we just release to you. Lord God, release ourselves to you. And Lord, help us to find the, the thanksgiving thread where we just hold out and we hold on. We exhale, we, we lay our petition before you, Lord. We, we're just going to tell you how we would like to see it, Lord, but, but knowing the way it's going to happen is what your will is and, Lord, how you know best. And thank you, Lord, for the times that you haven't given us what we've asked for because it would have absolutely destroyed us. And, Lord, may we have the humility to acknowledge that. Thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness, Lord. Receive our worship, Lord, this morning. Jesus' name.